1: Welcome to The Exchange. I'm Lisa Yuka, Italy-based columnist for Reuters Breaking Views. I'm in Milan with Professor Alberto Alesina, who for many years now has been teaching political economy at Harvard University. Professor Alesina has just published, together with colleagues Carlo Favero and Francesco Giavazzi, a new book called Austerity. Now, this is obviously not the first time the authors focus on this subject. They are known in academic circles for being big advocates of fiscal restraint as a way to keep public debt under control. But austerity, which is normally achieved either through spending cuts or tax increases, seems to be going out of fashion. Under President Donald Trump, the United States is planning a $1 trillion deficit in the attempt to make America great again. In Italy, a new anti-austerity government is pushing through a big welfare spending plan. In France, an attempt to raise fuel taxes triggered violent street protests. Has austerity become a bad word? Welcome to the exchange, Alberto. So for our listeners, I mean, how do we define austerity?
2: Austerity is simply a policy or a set of policy geared toward reducing uh, budget deficit. Sometimes reducing budget deficit is a necessity, sometimes it's uh, not. And not only, but most of the time, the necessity of reducing budget deficit is the result of past mistakes. Because if government followed appropriate, uh, prudent uh, fiscal policy, there would never be... uh, increasing debt uh, exponentially and there will be no need of uh, austerity because government should run deficit when it is necessary and surplus to compensate for those deficits and on average there should be a reasonably balanced budget and so there, w- there will be no need of austerity. Austerity is most of the times that, uh, needed because of past mistakes. Sometimes the past mistakes are uh, their their, uh, effect is compounded by shocks like the financial crisis, but if countries like Italy or Greece did not enter the financial crisis with already large debt, they would not have needed to have such huge austerity.
1: In your book, you and the other authors analyze in great detail the fiscal measures adopted by 16 OECD countries since the 1970s and their effects on growth. It's probably the most comprehensive assessment of such plans to date. What are the main findings of the book?
2: The main finding of the the book is that uh, probably the most general result is that um, austerity achieved by plans that imply gradual reduction of government spending uh, are much less costly in terms of Recession than plans achieved by raising taxes. And uh, on average, then there are some cases which are more more costly than others, and uh, cases in which cutting spending has been essentially costless. I mean, there's been no recession associated with spending cuts. And then we uh, we also our data are very detailed, so we can analyze uh, different types of spending, different types of taxes. So, in fact, one of the contribution of the of the book, as you said, is the, this enorm- enormous data set that we have constructed. The other result we get is that the the aggregate demand, the private part of the aggregate demand that respond positively to uh, spending-based austerity are private investment. There is a boost in private investment because investors feel like the fiscal house has been put in order without many more taxes, and therefore there is uh, um, a positive effect on investor confidence that we f- measure and, uh, in investment. And we also find that this difference between spending and taxes is remains regardless of what monetary policy does, namely monetary policy can certainly help uh, uh, reducing the cost of austerity, but it doesn't affect the difference between spending and taxation. This difference remains both before the financial crisis and also uh, the case of austerity during the financial crisis show the same difference. And uh, this difference is unrelated to, you know, Uh, external factor that accompanies uh, austerity plans, so this difference seems to be very robust
1: how can you i mean obviously in the book there's this analysis of how much the austerity policy i mean what is the impact on growth and as you explained you know certain measures have a more recessionary uh, effect than others but how can we be sure of the direct correlation i mean there is often lots of external factors some of which you mentioned in the book you also um, speak at length about uh, the importance of expectation of confidence so how can that be measured and, and what role does it play in, uh, in maybe limiting, if you, if you want, the, the recessionary impact of some of these uh, fiscal policies?
2: Well, um, you asked the $100 million question. The the, uh, qu- the the first part of the question is how can we be sure that uh, we have measured things properly and all the things that. Well, that is what... Um, the uh, what our job is, uh, namely, uh, to try to uh, find ways of being sure to say that certain policy calls certain result, and that's an issue that has kept be- uh, economists busy for years, respect- in general, but in particular about fiscal policy. So, without going into the, into the detail, but we certainly, another contribution of the book is the- to review a bit of um, various approaches to that, and we pay a lot of attention to avoid issue of what we call reverse causality, namely, say, a recession causing a deficit because tax revenues go down, and calling it the deficit caused the recession as, uh, you know, the, the opposite causality. So we are tried to be as careful as possible in uh, what we do, and we document it uh, pretty extensively. Um, the second part of your question is what you know how to design uh, policies to uh, minimize the cost of austerity. The result that come out from the book, including, what you, as you mentioned, uh, expectation or not, that what would seem to suggest is that if a country, and when I say a country, I mean an OECD country, namely a country with a very large public sector already, uh, the best austerity policy, would be to uh, announce in advance a gradual reduction of government spending, and then do it in a way which is consistent with expectations, so not to surprise the public, and allow investor and consumer to plan appropriately, and and uh, and and do that on the spending side in a gradual and uh, not ups and downs, surprising way. That's the the result that seemed to that seemed to come out now that what to cut uh, depends on the country in question. There are different, uh, you know, the budget of different countries are different, and in some countries uh, s- certain items should be reformed or cut. In others, do not so. It's uh, then a lot of country by country specifics.
1: If I understand, let's say, the basics of the approach correctly, um, however, I mean the the, the theory. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong should say that in good times in good economic times a government should should maybe cut or use, let's say, the, the good economic um, uh, momentum to, to do more savings and then deficits are more acceptable at time of recessions. However, what we're seeing, for instance, in the US today is is the opposite. Um, Donald Trump, I mean, the, the US under Donald Trump is uh, uh, expected to run a $1 trillion deficit uh, this year and, and yet uh, the economy seems to be booing. We have uh, um, almost full unempl- uh, full employment in the United States. So, uh, you know, I'm just trying to understand, you know, what, what, what is the message that, you, that your book can tell us about uh, what's happening in America now?
2: Well, first of all, your premises is correct, namely that uh, countries that have had, uh, that are booming uh, should not run in general, should not run deficits because uh, deficit because those are the times where you want to re- reduce deficit in order to be able to increase them during a, during a recession. So uh, in the case of the US, uh, there are large deficits. The debt is as high as it has been in peacetime and is projected to increase uh, quite a bit without any policy changes. So um, now... Both in the Republican camp and in the Democratic camp and amongst many economists, there is a view that the debt in the U.S. is not a problem because interest rates are low. Uh, People around the world are very willing to buy government debt, uh, even though at low interest rates. So the U.S., perhaps more than any other countries, can afford to have a, a big debt, and that's not really a problem. Uh, I think that's a little bit over optimistic in my view for, for two reasons one is that interest rates are not going to be low forever and second of all certain programs like Medicare or Social Security if nothing is done about them are going really going to explode and then if you do have to do something when you are on the verge of a disaster which we are not by any means there's no, the US is not about to have a problem but you know, 20 years from now it might so you need to start thinking about how to manage the growth of debt. Hmm.
1: But the, the, the tax cuts which are being implemented in the United States coupled with some infrastructure spending, I mean, are, aren't these the kind of, let's say, expansionary policies that should support growth? I mean, are, are these having an impact on the growth that we're seeing now?
2: Um, probably, uh, and certainly. Uh, but the question is, is not whether tax cuts uh, stimulate growth in generally they do. Uh, But the question is, is our tax cut necessary uh, now? uh, Which kind of tax cut and what are the long-term implications of certain tax cuts? So sure, tax cuts stimulate growth, but they have all sorts of other implications. And whether or not U.S. growth needed to be supported by tax cut uh, uh, is, you know, it's sort of debatable. Incidentally, the U.S. is Prediction are that they're going probably to slow down in 2020. So uh, yes, in general, tax cuts stimulate uh, the economy, but the question is, can you afford them, uh, given the, their effect on deficit and the growth of debt, and, and can you afford them, and is it are they necessary? In generally, in general, I'm not so keen in um, sort of uh, very active policy to stimulate growth with this or that channel. Um, you know, I would l- to keep a more sort of balanced approach to to policy. Infrastructure, yes, the U.S. probably need some investment in infrastructure that are crumbling compared to some European countries. Uh, but you know, all within uh, a framework doesn't imply exploding debt.
1: Yes, in in France, so if you can move uh, to Europe now, President Emmanuel Macron is. Um, taking a different approach. I mean, he is trying to modernize the economy, or he has been trying to modernize the economy, also through some austerity policies, but there is in particular fuel tax hikes. But these have um, gone really badly with um, some voters, and we've seen social unrest in the street, I mean, the so-called yellow vest protests. So there, there is a group of... Uh, there's a line of thought that says that uh, if you as a politician try to implement those uh, um, you know, policies with some fiscal restraint, um, you would have backlash from voters, which is what we're seeing in, in, in France. I mean, is, is that the correct way of thinking? Can austerity be the, kiss of, the so-called kiss of death politically?
2: Well, it's more complicated than that in the sense that in, we have a chapter in the book in which we look at uh, precisely that question. And in general, on average, it's not clear that there is such a one-to-one effect. Every time a government implements an austeri- austerity austerity policy, uh, immediately it's thrown out of office. Um, of course, it's very difficult to say. Maybe a government is is re-elected despite having done austerity. But um, you know, we documented many, many cases of government that that have been re-elected despite having campaign and then implemented austerity policy. So things Can you are, give
1: us a good example? Well, in
2: Canada in the 90s, for example, the government, the, uh, government were uh, reappointed three or four times after implementing pretty severe, not only having done severe austerity, but campaign in favor of austerity, being elected on that promise and then implementing it. In England, uh, more recently in England, um, uh, the government was, was re-elected after a very tough uh, austerity policy in 2015, then lost the election because of Brexit and all of that, but the, but the government was uh, re-elected uh, after uh, an austerity program that was severely criticized, even by the IMF for being too aggressive. Uh, in Sweden, government has been reappointed after austerity policy. So uh, we document in the book that on average you really cannot uh, say uh, you cannot really conclude as everybody seems to think that the moment you implement some austerity policy you're thrown out of office that doesn't mean that it's easy uh, and certainly there have been cases of government being uh, thrown out of, of office because of austerity now uh, in the case of Macron I'm not, uh, I'm not 100% sure that they would categorize Macron policies as austerity I mean it's not trying to reduce the deficit in a particularly major way. Uh, in fact, France hasn't really, didn't really follow any austerity policy, pretty much, in recent years. So I wouldn't call it an austerity policy, it's more a policy that have to do with uh, reforming the economy <coughs> and certain groups losing and other groups gaining. Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't call it a reaction to austerity, it's more a reaction, not sure what it is, but, I wouldn't call it a, a reaction to a, a, an austerity plan of mm. major reduction of debt. It's more a reaction to certain specific policies about certain type of taxes and so on. And in any case, raising taxes in France doesn't, in general doesn't strike me as a particularly great idea considering that there's the size of government is the largest in the world. So the size of taxation is the largest in the world. But again, uh, seem to be more specific issues about which taxes, which program rather than the size of taxation overall. Uh,
1: talking about governments that maybe weren't re elected or certainly didn't gain favor after introducing austerity policies, uh, we're in Italy and one thinks of uh, the severe, can we call it like that, austerity plan of former Prime Minister Mario Monti. Um, okay, Italy was on the verge of maybe disaster, certainly a serious crisis, but the austerity policies implemented by that government have been used. In, in uh, subsequent years, um, as an example of uh, austerity actually exacerbating uh, a recession, uh, I mean we are now in a country with a clearly um, where, the go- where the government is clearly against these anti- these austerity policies I mean they, they, they proclaim themselves have uh, been expansionaries and they've passed um, a, a budget which is full of uh, uh, welfare handouts uh, let's call it like that so uh, I mean where what what happened with monti i mean where where did he go wrong and uh, what could we advise the current government uh, to do
2: first of all the austerity policy of mario monti was not as draconian as people uh, as the conversation in italy is it was much less draconian than in countries like spain portugal ireland the uk uh, so it was uh, it was an austerity policies uh, uh, certainly less draconian than what happened in other countries. Leaving aside Greece, which is a special, uh, separate case. Uh, first, second, uh, as you said, Monti was uh, took office in a moment in which Italy was on the verge of a sort of serious catastrophe. And if that catastrophe had happened, it may have had consequences for the euro area as a whole. So he needed to do something quickly. And when you have to do something quickly on the verge of a, of a precipice. The only thing you can do is to raise taxes, which is what he did. And then it announced some spending cuts that would have materialized later, particularly with the pension reform. So I would have preferred if Monty had cut spending rather than raising taxes. And we have written about that. And uh, we had many conversations with Mario Monti himself. And his view, which is uh, understandable, is that he did not have the time to do that. And the only thing he could do was to raise because tax.
1: tax cuts, sorry, tax raises are just yeah, a faster yeah, right, way. Yeah, If you are, if you introduce
2: a tax, a month later you get the revenue, or six months later you yeah. get the revenue. So if you have a spending cut, you need to go through a process with what you know. By the time the uh, cut in spending is approved, first of all, it's much more difficult to get it through parliament. And once you have it, once you have it done, by the time it has effect on the economy, it takes a while because the spending program has some momentum. While a tax cut, if you increase taxes uh, on something, when you go to the store, you pay more taxes. And so um, it's quicker to mm-hmm. get the revenues, and um, so that's uh, what uh, what he felt that the only thing he could do was, was was that. But the his major program of pension reform would have saved a lot of money in later. Now with the pension, the counter reform that has been eliminated, but. The plan would have been to uh, decline in spending for pension in the following years now
1: because um, yeah. that that reform I mean if I recollect I mean caused a lot of anger and anxiety in a part of a population which was hit quite hard by this uh, retire- uh, new pension system
2: Well the pe- pension reform in Italy had been a sort of very complicated manner but but uh, and we don't want to go into too much detail, but the, but the punchline is that Italy has one of the longest expected uh, lifetime and a very low fertility rate, and uh, people have to retire later in order for for have the system sustainable. So uh, and uh, for reason which personally I don't quite understand, but it would appear that uh, working one year more, two years more, seemed like a, uh, an incredible hardship uh, which may be for someone but it seemed to have been a really really major major uh having a got, got a very very major reaction there were also some complications having to do with if the system was so complicated before that some c- category some age group got somehow squeezed, sort of squeezed uh, got a little bit of a big bad treatment so there were some sort of uh specific issue that made some people angry. But overall, the the feeling is that, you know, Italians will have to retire later because of demography and because expected um, lifetime. So yes, then the austerity of Monty did cause a recession. and uh, But the effect, uh, but now it would appear in the conversation now, it seems like all the problem of Italy are Monty's recession. Which is way blown out of proportion. The problem with the Italian economy are, you know, 30 years old and all that. And uh, certainly have very little to do with Monte recession. And finally, uh, in your question you were talking about austerity or, or expansion. Uh, but I want to make clear that Eighty percent of the time, there should be neither austerity nor expansion. Fiscal policy should be doing nothing. You know, fiscal policy should be neutral, mm. and austerity should be an exceptional, should be exceptional period, which in fact they should never occur if government follow the appropriate policy. And expansionary fiscal policy may be occasionally needed, perhaps when you are at a zero lower bound, but. Uh, But most of the time, the fiscal policy should be in neutral mode. So this idea that we have to have expansion or austerity is really uh, a Mm. completely misplaced discussion. And most of the time, fiscal policy should do nothing.
1: So to the current government, which rejects austerity and has proposed an expansionary budget with certain welfare Measures. I mean, how, how do you judge that and what message, you know, what advice would you give also taken from the experience of the book?
2: Well, first of all, again, co- co- connected to the previous point, the, f- the current government reject austerity. First of all, there was no austerity in Italy. Before, I mean, the multi-austerity happened for a couple of years and so Italy was not in a, in a situation of austerity. So there was nothing to reject uh, to begin with the exp- the expansionary so uh, what they call expansionary fiscal policy we are talking about half of a percent one percent of deficit more or less on GDP of GDP so we are not talking about huge numbers uh, in terms of the aggregate number is uh, is disappointing that their policy will leave let lead to an increase of the debt over GDP ratio uh, which is a bit disappointing because with the previous government, we seem to have gone towards a you know gradual decline and everything to be, again, in that sort of neutral position that we were talking about before. So they are trying to do some expansionary fiscal policy, but in my opinion, it's not so much the extra half of a percentage point of deficit that matters, but it's what they do, what they want to do. If they were talking about cutting... Uh, taxes on certain type of investment, or reforming the welfare system in an appropriate way, or making regulation more effective, even if if all those policies increase the deficit, it wouldn't be so much of a problem, but the way they are increasing the deficit is with this sort of gift of, um, you know, free income, whatever they call it, uh, citizen, citizen income, and uh putting back the clock on the pension reform, which will lead to uh, according to some calculation very very serious budget problem in the future so um it's not so much that they are doing more deficit, but it's what but what they're doing with those more those deficits
1: so the policy mix the policy uh, mix and, and policy the policy
2: mix and the and the hidden cost of this pension reform that is not going to be seen tomorrow, but is 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 there the current the current excellent um, uh, director of our social security system who's going to be replaced by the current government because they don't like him? As pointed out correctly, that this reform will cost a fortune, and as a result of this, he has been attacked and fired. But um, but he's right. I mean this. I mean this reform will cost a fortune. So uh, not only the deficit today is higher but more importantly the, the, the forecast should be, in, should be changed in that direction.
1: So in trying maybe to be innovative, to be expansionary, Italy may face uh, more difficulties further down the line and have to face again A new austerity phase.
2: Well, we'll see. We'll see.
1: Okay. Well, thank you, Alberto, for joining us today uh, at the exchange. Alberto Lezina, professor at Harvard University, who's just published a new book, Austerity.
0: This spot is brought to you by Eaton Vance, the symbol of advanced investing. What's inside your ETF? With Eaton Vance high yield ETF, you know. Inside, you'll find smart bond selection from a specialized team with deep fixed income expertise. Get to know what's inside EVHY, the symbol of high yield done right, at eatonvance.com slash symbols.